Welcome to the Odd Job Pod, action movie landfill edition. Regular listeners will know that every other episode, the Odd Job Pod crew pull out of our Lotus Esprits and head up to the landfill. We fish out an action movie for discussion and review. For those who don't know, the landfill is a vast expanse of physical media containing DVDs, VHSs, Betamaxes, and even the odd V2000, all containing action movies from that glorious sell-through era spanning the late 1980s-ish to the early 2000s-ish. Three of us take turns to choose which film we're going to discuss, and in this episode, the chooser falls to me, and that's why I had the dubious honour of hosting this podcast. <laughs> Last episode, I chose Mimi Lader's 1997 action political thriller, taught political thriller, I believe is probably the correct way of putting it, The Peacemaker, starring George Clooney and Nicole Kidman. Or should that be the other way around? I'm Terry DeFellon, and joining me to answer that and many other questions are my two co-panelists, Graham Sibley and Gary Andrews. Graham, are you ready to go? Do you need anything before we start? Perhaps a U.S. government procured SUV to get you on your way? <laughs> maybe, maybe. Make sure it's got bulletproof glass, please. And you, Gary, is your printer stocked up and ready to go? You've got the right cartridge? Do you need a fax machine? Everything ready? Uh, I mean, like I, this is the one thing that I love about this, uh, this film is that it coincides nicely with transfer deadline day. That You know, this serious drama that hangs on a fax machine. And an AOL account. <laughs> and an AOL account. Ah, I've got an AOL account. Oh, my God. So oh, my God. That bad. <laughs> oh, dear God. One of the many reasons why this film doesn't really hold up, to be perfectly honest with you guys, I think. <laughs> but one of the less offensive reasons why this film doesn't hold up. <laughs> um. Let's let us uh, let let's is it so so guys does this even qualify for the landfill for this podcast because you know it's is it an action film or is it a taut political thriller or, or can it be both Graham what do I got you try and answer that question I, I think it can be both and I think that might be the problem with the film the problem I have with the film because it tries to be quite a few things I think it tries to satisfy quite a lot of um what uh quite a lot of people around the focus groups table what they want in a film uh and 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 i i think that's why maybe it it doesn't succeed in what it tries to do um mm. there is definitely action in this film uh a, 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 an action debut for george clooney which yeah, it wasn't really the direction his career was going to go in. So, um, yeah, interesting. I think I think this is a testing ground. This film. I think that there there is a lot about that, and we can go into that later. But yeah, I think it definitely counts as an action movie. I think there's there's certainly lots of elements there, and yeah, it, it's got all the makings. There are there are other action movies, proper action movies out there that 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 have a very similar feel to this so yeah i i think there is no problem at all with it being in the landfill and and maybe that's where it should stay mm, yes indeed Gary, Gary, let's 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 focus a little bit get let's get the harder stuff out of the way first shall we um and and focus a bit on the politics of the film because i think i think it's fair to say i saw this movie uh, when it not when it first came out, but a few maybe a year or so after it came out, I sat and watched it late at night after I come back from the late shift um, uh, on Sky Movies, and I I enjoyed it. I've got to be honest, I enjoyed it. Uh, but I but I'm being a fairly politically engaged guy. I thought I think the politics of this is fairly one sided and a little bit perhaps naive. You know, I, I think whenever you try and take on the politics of, of 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 the Balkans and the Balkan War, particularly when it's contemporaneous contemporaneous to the to the war itself, um, it's always going to be quite a challenge. Yeah, um, this, I mean, this was going to be one of my talking points. I was not expecting to uh, to get this out quite so early, but as you say, let's uh, let's dive straight in. Um, I hadn't seen this film before we came into it. It's one of those films where I I've been aware of its existence throughout its life. Um, I mean, it, it clearly hasn't turned up on ITV4 at the right times of me flicking through a channel. Um, 
And uh, just it was one of those ones that I just went, you know, if it ever came on TV, I'd probably sit there and watch it. But I wouldn't necessarily go out of my way to to work out whether it was any good or not. I I literally heard like no opinions of it, whether it was good or bad. Um, so coming into this and watching it with a 2023 lens. Yeah, the politics jar quite a bit. It's very much a product of very much a product of its time probably in terms of where the u.s kind of saw itself a little bit as the uh, as the global policeman obviously we're before 9-11 in there there is it's written very much from a, a kind of jingoistic american perspective um the there's bits where i can see what they are trying to do in there and you know it's something that we've We've said a lot about Pierce Brosnan's bonds during this period is where does your threat come from? And actually, like where, what I think what they were trying to do and where the, the kind of the germination of the idea for the script came from, which I think came from a, a, a journalistic article, I think some, some, some kind of journalism investigation and then into these kind of rogue Russian um, and, and kind of ex, uh, new, ex kind of military people in Russia and some of the other Eastern European states who, you know, now had access and were basically selling off um, radioactive material to to high bidders, um, which is actually, when you put it down to that, is actually a really, really good basis for a plot. And you kind of feel that there is a very, very good plot that could have been written for this film. You can also see where they were trying to go a little bit with the um with the the Balkan war conflicts it was something that was relatively fresh like there's a lot that makes sense going into it but then when you the the layering that you add on to it and I cannot for the life of me remember who the scriptwriter is but I think in in the hands of a more deft scriptwriter you could probably have got a much better film in this one by not trying to pram in everything but two it feels like this is something that's very much in love with the American military and the American way of doing things and the American way of we're better than everybody else. Get out the way, which is essentially George Clooney's character throughout. Um, and there's many different ways you could take. You could take this into a full action film. Actually, I would probably argue if you took some of the plot of this and gave it to bond it would have probably made a relatively good bond movie i mean obviously it's touching a little bit on on stuff that was in goldeneye i'd also say if you took it a little bit and and then maybe gave it the john le carre treatment again you've potentially got a really really excellent movie in there you take this and give it the um Let's just go full on American. And, and, you know, you could see they were trying to get the balance of views in there, but it was just so ham fisted. I just went, no, nah, I'm, I'm viewed through the prism of 2023 and that just kind of ultra macho aggression. And uh, I feel that it would have probably been a better film had it been a spy thriller rather than a military thriller, if uh, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think that the the, uh, the screenplay was written by Michael Schiffer, and his previous film had been Crimson Tide, which covered similarish sort of mm. uh, themes in it as well. You know, rogue Russians, um, very much of that mid '90s. So, yay, we won the Cold War. Now, now, what do we do? Who are our enemies? Uh, oh, yeah, the Russians still are. Come on, we can, we can still have those as enemies. Um, <laughs> but rogue Russians, though. Not, rogue not Russians. Russians. Of course, they're rogue Russians. Um, but of course, this is like you know. So, so by the time this one comes around, it, it's pretty well worn. This this path. We were actually they were actually making these sort of films before the Russians actually stopped being communists. <laughs> it, it, it's it, it's uh, you know hunt for Red October. That, there you go. That, that's probably where it starts, isn't it? That's where it, where Hollywood gets that that whole idea of like stealing weapons and and things like that um so uh yeah michael schiffer went on to write call of duty the 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 um the cutscenes in call of duty so th- there you go that's that, that's where he ended up um as a writer um but yeah i think the thing that this is based on a on an expose rather than like a tom clancy novel i think that may have something to do with it as well because it's all 
it's all I mean, most of these sort of things are about detail. I mean, you you look through those, those spy thrillers, and whoever writes them, they always got loads and loads of detail of like military specifications, and and they they just love going into that. But there's a difference when you're 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 working off um, a piece of narrative, piece of uh, a, a story that that an author has has looked at and added all this stuff to, than a piece of journalism and that's what uh the uh the coburn brothers did it was uh i think it was a book called one point safe um which detailed you know a lot of stuff about how at risk uh russia's nuclear stockpile was uh these were also published in i think vanity fair i think there there was a series of articles in there so that's that's how how the, this that's the germination of this story, and then obviously someone read that and thought, "Hey, this would make a great movie," and um, and they were wrong. Um, so <laughs> um, <laughs> again, I was going to say, like, I've chucked out loads of different movies, and you mentioned Tom Clancy there. If this had been a Jack Ryan movie, I think again we'd have probably got on board with it potentially a lot more. Partly because, again, different scriptwriter, but you take the, the germination of the plot into there. Yeah, I think that there is something in there that could make this potentially quite a good film in different hands, because the idea is not a bad one. No, no, um, yeah, uh, but yeah, yeah you, you end up in a place, and I was, I remember by the end, I was thinking, oh, there's so many different places I'd like to to go with this. I'd love to see, like, you know. A slightly more down pat spy thriller with Gary Oldman going across this rather than George Clooney in in what is a would have been a very atypical role now when you look back at his career. Yeah, I think that there's some sensitivity uh, in the plight of the Bosnians that 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 comes through and 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 elevates the movie ever so slightly in those moments, but they actually only last seconds. Really, there's the 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 set in Bos the Bosnian set and let's face it it is a set and that's the other issue with it it it, it does look like a set um but you know that that cu cutting straight to that faded Olympic sign in Sarajevo and then and then as the camera then tracks into the main villain's piano lesson and and and, and all of the sort of carnage that's there and then there's later in there there's a in the film there's a there's a moment where there's two children playing at war and one is sort of like leading the other off by gunpoint and it's it's very sinister and it and it and, it, and it, i think it helps to uh, uh as i say elevate things and just make the audience aware of of the consequences of, of, of war in general and in that war in particular but it's i, I think it's it, it it is i'm afraid guilty of u.s exceptionalism um which i, I don't think we should be necessarily surprised at uh, and that doesn't necessarily mean you can do bad film you know you can make a good film a still watchable film out of that i mean the jack ryan movies that i people find watchable and i would say that's all about u.s exceptionalism um but uh, but uh, and they're quite popular movies but i think it i, I think that the movie falls flat certainly for its for its political message and i think it's summed up at the at the end of the movie um you know the line you know it's not our war sir and, and, it, and you're just sort of thinking well it, you know that's pretty basic editorializing and it's clearly not the reality and you know when you're being that disingenuous with your audience i think that you know it's it sort of you know exemplifies i think just like the, the movie is coming from from the wrong from the wrong place i think in that respect and that was what's came across when I was watching it the most recent time. I watched it twice in the build-up to this. I, I watched it with my well, first time with my wife, who's a massive George Clooney fan, uh, uh, um, and I'd never seen this film. She enjoyed it, um, but uh, I suspect probably because she was just looking at George. <laughs> but I think as well, it, it's easy to try and say, to say that, well, of course, this is that dodgy period in the 90s. You know, this is pre-9-11, um, this is when America really thought that that we was on on the right side and and wasn't doing anything wrong in the world. But George Clooney makes a much more George Clooney film just two years after this, um, which tells a much different story. But Three Kings, 
Um, now, mm. I've not seen Three Kings in a long time, and I may, may watch it and wince now, but in my memory, I was thinking that that was a much different story to this and a much different narrative. So it, I, it would be, I'll, I'll be interested to rewatch that, and who knows, maybe it might qualify for the action movie landfill, but I'm, I'm not so sure. Maybe it will. I, I- I not sh- uh, yeah I, mean, I have, have not seen Three Kings in years as well, but I remember it to be a completely different film yeah. in tone yeah, 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 to yeah, yeah. to the to the Peacemaker. I I think that um, the Peacemaker is a film that is essentially being governed by Clinton style U.S. foreign policy, um, and, and and obviously and I think the world changes obviously with three by three the time Three Kings happens the world has changed as Republicans in power to begin with and 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 obviously. Everything's gone gone to hell as far as the Americans are concerned. But they weren't. They had had terrorism, of course, yeah. uh, in in the U.S. at that point. So it's not like that they they felt that they were necessarily shouldn't have felt that they were necessarily immune. But I think the message was sort of like, you know, why are you dragging us into your war? And it says, well, we're not. You're involving yourself in in this war. And uh, th- there is room for some kind. There's a bit of plurality going on 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 in this film. Which I, I, you know, I think is acknowledged. But beyond that, it just tends to fall back into what I would consider to be fairly by now, even by then, fairly lazy tropes. Graham, as you point out, mm. you know, the, the shiftlessness and the corruptibility of the of, of Russians. Russians, you know, can't keep anything locked up. To borrow a phrase from from a from from a from a, from a much loved James Bond film, uh, much loved by me, uh, James Bond film. Um, and, and, you know, and I think that, you know, they're, 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 they smoke fags when they're on duty and, you know, and, and, and they can be easily bought. And, you know, it, it, it's all it's, it's a it's a useful trope. But it's but I think it's one of the reasons why the movie's not aged terribly well. Mm. I think I was going to say in terms of trope, this movie is trope central. <laughs> um, there is like it's almost as if they've gone. Do you want a side order of trope with your tropes? There is so, like, the thing that you can see there's so much that's kind of borrowing from almost every other film in there. And sometimes, again, it can be done really, really well. Um, and, and again, my, my issue here is much more with, it starts with the script. And there is just so much that you can kind of see coming in. It borrow, it mean, it certainly borrows a bit from Bond. It borrows a bit from... Jack Ryan, it borrows from pretty much every single action film or political thriller that's gone beforehand. And I think this is what was mentioned earlier about focus groups. It's almost as if they've gone, right, tick, focus group one. (coughs) Sorry. They're like, tick, focus group wants this. Tick, focus group wants that. Tick, focus group wants that. Okay, let's throw them all in. Hey, not enough corrupt Russians in there. Let's throw another one into this. Um, There is is so much that is just done and thrown in. And there is the the big problem that you've then got onto that is if you have what I'd say a really skilled director, not that Mimulator isn't, because I, I actually think the action sequences are really well shot. Um, but she's handed a script that, you know, you've got two charismatic stars in there, both of whom really struggle with this script, I would say. They, there is, I've watched a lot of George Clooney movies. I've watched a lot of Nicole Kidman movies. They are both really good actors. And yet they're given such a clunker of a script here that their result is uh, one to basically be a mixture of angry and and charming rogue. And the other one is pretty much every single trope of the woman in charge, uh, woman elevated in charge that you would see throughout various action films. And it's really disappointing because, again, you, you could make a lot more out of this, but by just trying to cram everything in, it's, it's like, it's like Chat GTP wrote an action film for the mid nineties. <laughs> I, I think that you're you're right about those <clears throat> the the performances that that Clooney and Kidman put in there. There is that feeling that that if someone told you, oh, you know, they were never on set at the same time, you might actually believe it because they, there's zero between them. I mean, there's lots of snappy dialogue and everything. They they really try. They really, really, really put the effort in, but it just there's nothing there for them. And 
and and that is worrying. I mean, yeah, there is, there is so there are there are such cookie cutter characters that no matter how much work they actually put into there, and that's that, and that's what they have to do. They have to try to work on these characters. All he is is a loose cannon, and all she is is the is the book smart pretty one, and. Uh, and that's really, really, really annoying. If if they had a better scriptwriter, if it just given it to someone else, just to sharpen it up, do what they do on the Bond films, you know, give it, give, let someone else have 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 a go with that script. I think you would have seen a real uptick in this film. And I think it, it I think that's what it would. Eat. It's got confident to have bold ideas, but it's not confident enough to 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 go through with it or or to take it back to 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 uh a couple of steps this was dreamworks first live action film so i i wonder if it was really a testing ground if 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 there was if they were still going through things and of, of course you know, george clooney had just really come from from tv so i wonder if he really knew which direction his his film career was going to go in as well but yeah, who can say? I think Clooney was an obvious uh, a, a candidate for action uh, movie star. Yeah, um, and yeah, I mean, I agree. I, th- I think that that that's something that that he. Um, uh, I, I thought as an action movie actor, I, I think that that's definitely a a, a road he could easily have gone down. I, I think his career has benefited hugely by not doing that. Um, and I think he would have made a lot better action movies had he done that. But I mean, I think you know he's had a magnificent career, and and, he, and he's and he's one of the he's one of the greats. And anyway, I mean, he wasn't a list at the time, but he wasn't far off it. I think the biggest star in that movie was Nicole Kidman. Just talking a little bit about his character, though. I mean, I I, I got the impression that with with Devoe's character that they were trying to say something about about that kind of soldier and that kind of attitude and suggesting that perhaps he is uh, a relic of the cold war again borrowing a line of dialogue from another james bond podcast film but we are a james Bond podcast so that's all good um and and the, 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 there was this kind of idea that he was having to deal with the reality of of a new world um and specifically a world where his russian best buddy gets knocked off by the bad guys in which you know you, you know there's that scene in the hotel room afterwards while they're waiting for uh, Nicole Kidman's uh, AOL account to send through that stolen file um <laughs> to where where he's where he's having a moment of realization and up to that point he's prov- he's, he's portrayed as this kind of maverick that gets things done uh, but then suddenly feels a little bit out of time but it just feels a bit too mo for me guys i don't think that there's enough emotional power in these moments to make that work and given the cal- caliber of the actors on hand to do that you're quite right i think you know you do then have to look the dialogue into the script and and i hate to say it but also to the direction as well mm. yeah it's i was going to say with the just briefly to touch on it the one <clears throat> there are some bits which i do quite like about the film um and it has patches where you can really get into it and the brief period where you've got armin muller style on screen and that little that you talk about no chemistry suddenly you've got clooney and, and armin muller style playing off against each other you wish there was more of armin muller style in the film because again he fulfills that trope of uh you know the uh the best friend or the the insider from the uh, from the bad guy side, who's actually really a good guy, and that cynical old, more world weary man. Th- those few minutes just crackle with a little bit of joy and spark because you've clearly got at that point you suddenly got a bit more of a rounded element. You actually bring a bit of personality in. Like I, I love that. Like he meets him and he's like, "Here's some CDs for your daughter. She'll probably hate them." You know that that is just one of those bits where you're like, "Oh, you you've got." Again, you've got a great character in there, and suddenly you've got two two actors who suddenly seem to quite enjoy naturally in the brief period they're together on screen. But yeah, I'd I'd agree, Terry. You've got that that bit there where it feels really forced of Clooney's character suddenly breaking down and and crying. And again, I feel that you could do so much more with with the character of Devoe, but it just falls back on the fact of you know what, let's just go 
gung-ho into it because that bit doesn't really ever come back again he then just goes back into to action man shouting mode and no point do you you don't feel like devoe's gone on any kind of journey if anything you feel that dr kelly has suddenly gone on a journey where she's like yeah blow the shit up i don't care um which i don't know quite what message that that's meant to send at the end especially when you do have those efforts of nuance in there, albeit a little bit ham-fisted throughout. Yeah, Graham, I, 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 you know, I think the reason why that scene strikes a chord with us so much is because it's the closest to a James Bond scene that, that, that the film offers. And as James Bond fans, naturally we respond to that. But you're, that doesn't in any way invalidate what you've just said. It's, uh, the, the movie then relies, you know, falls back on, 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 on James Bond tropes. Yeah. Um, because as you say, there's a site, there's, would you like some, some tropes with your tropes? <laughs> Bond borrows a bit from here, or at least it, 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 it mines from it. Well, it dips in the same well as, uh, as this, as this film does. I, I, I thought that, that, that scene on the plane, uh, was, was very reminiscent to, to Casino Royale with, uh, with Bond meeting Vesper for the first time. Um, there, there is that sort of thing where they're still sizing each other up and still sort of almost deciding which buttons they can press uh also as well in that film in casino royale there is a line which uh which m comes up with is christ i missed the cold war which is a line Mm. pretty much directly used from this film it's actually god i missed the cold war um, so yeah, it's, it, it is it is creating some tropes itself in in this film, but uh, yeah, I think it's probably just more for the case of, of you know maybe that's a cry for help from the actual scriptwriter because you can't actually <laughs> use the Cold War anymore. Well, let's let, let's 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 go from Devoe and his and, and his and his rather lukewarm fish out of water uh, character arc to 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 to, to Doctor Kelly herself, who I think. Um, I mean, I, I, I think that I'm a little bit better disposed towards her as a, a character, um, largely possibly because I'm a, just generally better disposed towards Nicole Kidman than I am um, anything else. Um, but I felt that there was some interesting character moments um, with with Nicole, with, with Dr. Kelly. I, 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 I understand what you're saying, that she was sort of like, her character arc was to, to to actually just end up becoming a badass, and 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 then I think that is sort of like exemplified in that sort of moment of transition when she's on the plane, having and looking at the files of the of the men that she's ordered off to die, and then there's 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 Devoe, you know, sitting next to her, sort of patiently, and I think actually sensitively, just like letting her have this moment, and then going going away and. And, and, and but also at the same time, the acknowledgement is, is that this is how it has to be. If you want to live in the man's world, you have to you have to end up being like this. And I, I'm not sure I altogether really am happy with that kind of message. But it is it is a 1997 film, and so therefore it, it can't really be expected to, to to be anything different. But I do feel that there were some nice moments, but they're kind of gimmicky. Like you know, I've just been talking to the Joint Chief of Drafts. Oh, staff on the phone and then Dr. Kelly goes, I've just been talking to the president in that kind of one-upmanship that is kind of refreshing but it's just a sort of like a um, feminist flash really doesn't really sort of like have any meaning in terms of you know of, of the character and, and where they're going and there are other moments when she just appears to be relegated to a bit of a bond girl when um when when you know in certain moments like for example the, the car chase yeah. But I, I was surprised that I would have thought that there would have been a little bit more chemistry between the two actors in spite of the script. And I don't know whether or not you guys are as surprised as me. Well, I, I'm, I don't think I'm that surprised because I think it does take a, a, a I think it, it actually takes a, a deliberate step not to have a romantic um subplot nailed onto this um yeah the, you you get to the, the, it, it, even at the end when the, she agrees to go out for a drink with him it's not felt to be in a in a romantic way or it could be but it leaves that open to your imagination whatever you want to take 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 with you uh, take away with you 
So and I think that doesn't get in the way. It's quite good that it doesn't go or get in the way because this is two hours long anyway. Um, so you know you, you don't need any more to add, any more complication on on this script. Uh, but I think that absence um, is is noticeable, and I think it it's not the fact that I want a a, a, a tacked on love interest in in there, but it it does feel that. Um, it's being deliberately shied away from just to say no 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 we you you think we we're going to go this way because you know we've got Clooney here and we've got Kidman and let's face it if you're in either of those roles you'd be wanting to get off with the other one um but it it just that that it it doesn't take that road i think as far as kidman's concerned we you got to look her then husband is is in his is just starting his own franchise in action thriller and it, so he looks like he's having a lot more fun than than she is in this one. But <laughs> well, there's a lack of humour in the film, though, isn't there, Gary? I think that that's that that's that's the key thing, isn't it? It's a film that is taking itself too seriously because it's gone down. It's decided to take on a very serious subject, which is not funny. You know, nuclear terrorism is not funny. War in the Balkans is not funny. You know, the only thing that's oh. remotely funny in this film are the corrupt Russian officials. That's not actually that funny either. No, I mean, again, they, they've they've just suddenly uh, added the trope special onto the menu at Shea Trope there. Um, yeah, it. The thing is, you can have downbeat films and quite serious films that still have moments of humour come out of them. Again, with a good script, and you. They, Again, there's, there's bits where you can see what they're trying to do within there. I, I actually quite like the cinematography on this because I think it matches the the look and feel of the film into there. And that downbeat element that actually comes through, it, it, it's much more kind of like blue pastel. So you can tell that there's a, there's been a lot of effort for realism in there, albeit with some set on top of it. But the, the kind of the look of the film is actually really... Nice and, and respects where the film is trying to be. So in that case, I think, you know, they, they've got that right. The trouble is that then, yes, Graham, sorry, I can see that you are desperate to talk some cinematography. Uh, when, when, you're, when you're finished, when you're finished, Gary. I was wandering off into various areas. Um, no, I, all I was going to say is that, that that's the problem. I think that there are, you've got one, you've got, you know, you've got your second unit who are clearly having a blast with the action sequences. You've got your cinematographer who is sat there going, yep, I, and probably with, you know, I'd imagine that the, the director has a fair bit in there going, okay, this is how deliberately how we got the film to look like. Then in another room, you've got the scriptwriter going, yeah, let, let's, let's really kind of hammer home as many tropes as possible. Then you've got the two actors who, who you know, are suddenly given this thing and going, I meant to do what with this? sorry where where am i and i think part for me part of the reason that there's no chemistry is just because um the actors are probably trying to go mm, we've got a got a bit of a job here to try and bring these characters out and they're probably they're so focused on on trying to work out who their characters are that you can see those those moments where they relax and we've mentioned the plane we've mentioned that the kind of you know the brief meeting um of of um Armin Milstahl's character. Um, yeah, th there's flashes where you can tell that they're starting to get in there. But yeah, I, I, and again, I don't dislike Dr. Kelly either, but I just don't think anybody, least of all the scriptwriter, knows what she is trying to be. Is she an M figure like Judy Dench? Could be. Could have very easily turned into that. Is she your Bond girl, um, you know, eye candy who, whose job is to scream a lot? Again, could have easily turned into that, but there's part of that within there. Is she, you know, the the badass female director? Could have turned into that. Is she your your kind of your brains in there? I mean, yeah, could have easily turned into that. The the best thing, I mean, Nicole Kidman tries her best. There are moments where you can see that she's she's just about getting into it, but she's done no favors. The best thing you can say about Dr. Kelly is she is a far better uh, goes through a far better arc and and has much more um, enjoyable uh, characterization than Doctor Christmas Jones. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think there is a bit of comedy in here, but I think it's very subtle, and you have to be a bit knowing as well, um, because you've got uh, 
Clooney and Kidman in a room with a character called Schumacher who they beat up. And this is immediately after they've been in two turkeys of of Batman movies. (laughs) Yes, I choose to believe that that was entirely intentional. (laughs) Can we call this guy Schumacher, please? (laughs) I think think he'll... uh... I think I could give you a little bit more conviction in my role if he changed his name to Schumacher. <laughs> this yeah. wasn't a film. This was cathartic therapy for both of them. Yeah, no. I mean, yeah, just quickly, again, I, I, on, on, on Dr. Kelly, uh, it, it, I mean, there, again, there's moments, again, when you think you were, when she, uh, in her second scene, because her first scene is obviously is in the swimming pool, which I'm sure went down very well with the dads um and and um and it's 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 a great scene um but but then when she's got her hair's a mess and she's going into this crisis situation is her hair is a mess and even one of her male colleagues sort of like disses her for her appearance which of course is 2023 is like uber slappage but 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 that kind of breaking out of perhaps the stereotypes but of course as she gets more into the role she becomes more immaculate in appearance as well under 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 as the circumstances get more trying. So it's almost as if the the, the movie is trying to put, put force her into that cookie cutter role um, uh, as as the movie goes on because that's how it should be and how she should be and that's 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 disappointing. Um, sh- shall we talk about Duzan Gavrich, who is the the the, uh, the main antagonist? There's two antagonists in this. In this film, there's Duzan Gavrich, who is the the, the, the terrorist, but the, the sympathetic terrorist. We'll talk about the mad Russian general in a moment. Um, but the sympathetic terrorist, uh, uh, who uh, obviously has a harrowing uh, origin story, um, and, and and we, the audience, are are are, 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 are bear witness to it. And it is, it, it's it's. Uh, I think it's obviously. I think it's difficult to not be moved under those circumstances. Um, I, I I wonder. Or is it, Graham? Because I see your face, and I wonder: is there just a just too much melodrama behind this story? What do we What do we think? Do we buy this? The, the motivations of my? I mean, I mean, I can't, I can't, no one can imagine what it must be like to have something like that happen to them. But do we feel that there's sufficient motivation to decide to, you know, um, rather unconvincingly transport a nuclear weapon to to, to the United States and, and vaporize New York? Uh, well, no, not at all. No, that's that, that's the no. whole thing. The, the the plot is just is just farcical, and the fact of how many bodies there are in between, the the, the how many people have to get killed to cover up the the the, the passageway of this nuclear bomb, um, to make a point. Um, a, a bomb goes up off killing thousands of people in Russia, and and that's not enough of a point. Uh, then <laughs> there's lots of Russians killed in that process as well before it even explodes. Um, yeah, and he has to kill another um, politician to get where he wants to be. No, he, he's a he's a he's a just a psychopath. That's all he is. I mean, I think I I, I like to think that those cutscenes are actually his mind formulating. I don't I don't believe there was a dead child. I think it was just this this this, this story. If that was the case, I think that makes a much more interesting story that he's actually going completely living in some fantasy land. Uh, and and the, it's it's just so sort of unbelievable when he's walking through New York and and really torn and like you know because he's a, he's a fine actor. I mean this is Marcel uh, Urez and he is he is a very good actor. Uh, previously seen, of course, in the in the opening sequence of the aforementioned Mission Impossible as well. Uh, he is the target. He's the one that that they're all on that ill-fated mission. Uh, and uh, yeah. Well, Go back and see it if you want. Um, but no, he 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 does everything about him. Sort of says, "I am the interest here. I'm such a complicated character," and he's not. He's not a complicated character. Yeah, all right. He, he likes the piano. So I mean, like, how many Bond villains have like, like had a piano in their <laughs> office? I mean, for God's sake. Well, I mean, I can think of one, the best Bond villain of the ball, of the Hugo Drax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, of course, he didn't play. I mean, he just well waved his fingers above it, didn't he? <laughs> yes, that's that's perfectly true. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I have elements of both. Um, take elements of what you're saying, Graham, and, and you, Terry, as well, because I, I think 
he is probably gives the best performance of anybody in this film because he's, as Graham says, his character is just another psychopath, but his his performance really elevates it a bit. That his bit is much more believable than I think most of the other characters in there, and I think that that's credit um, to it because there is. You know, he could have very, very easily come across as as a as a complete, you know, unhinged psychopath. And again, in in probably a slightly different hands, you would have had a, a something which made it even worse. The fact that he's a very downbeat, calm person, I think, makes it a little bit more engaging because it's a bit more unusual. And again, that there's elements in there of you could see a lot potentially building from Dusan. Um, and again, it, this is, I mean, not that I am in any way a Hollywood scriptwriter. I'm a man on the internet with opinions and God knows we've got enough of them. But there is, you could see if you started with Dusan's story, you might be able to evolve it a little bit more. Sometimes it, it doesn't pay to bring in the villain too early. In this case, I think there is certainly something about how they could have built it up and structured it differently. Again, I'm not entirely sure that the... I, I almost feel that, that Dusan's character belongs in a very different film with a different ending, and he's been shoehorned into a... shoehorned into a, a, a thriller that, that doesn't quite make sense. You know, you've got the mad Russian general on one point, which would have probably made sense to keep him all the way through because... But again, you, you're then starting to lose where you're going with the plot-wise. The, weirdly, the one film that sprang to mind once sort of Dusan and his motivations were, were unveiled was a film that I think probably does what they're trying to do far much better here, which was Captain America Civil War. Um, because you've got the two sides being played off against each other by somebody who has very, very strong motivations and is a very kind of calm, char calculating character who, yes, you know, deep down has the evilness, but has, has done something, he just, like, set wheels in motion. And I feel that's what Dusan's character was trying to be or what they were trying to do into there. But then it, it shoehorned two different films into one at that point. Because, the, again, there's a good film potentially around Dusan's character arc. There's a good film around stolen nuclear weapons from, you know, have just been been hijacked in Russia. The two together, I think that's where you, you get the problems and that's where you get the problems of Dusan's characterization that he belongs in a in a taut political thriller, not an action movie, whereas the mad Russian general belongs in an action movie and not a taut political thriller. Well, yeah, I think this is the uh, the, the fact that you've got the the, the separation there, uh, I think, is is the key problem, I think, of, of, of this film. It, it comes to something when a James Bo an earlier James Bond film does that tells this story better, and that's and that's Octopussy, and 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 the uh, and the disabling of the nuclear device is perhaps a little bit more realistic in in in, in Octopussy as well. So I'm I'm just saying I'm just putting it out there. <laughs> Roger Moore, in, yeah, I, I would agree. Roger Moore in a clown costume uh, <laughs> after a, a circus and, and train chase with a nuclear weapon yes absolutely 100% more realistic and believable at that point <laughs> absolutely in fact again this would have this would have benefited from uh, can you i mean again it, it's not you know you kind of go what if but can you imagine like if they taken good bits of this and given it to Pierce Brosnan or Roger Moore as a bond film and then worked it into as you said Graham just worked and reworked the script until it became really good like this is a film that that you could have taken the basic tenets of and if you'd given us this with a bit of pierce and judy dench on top of it and uh and, and remove some of the more problematically tropey stuff that you know better script writers would have got we may never have had to sit through the world is not enough I feel obliged at this point to point to, uh, to to just just highlight the existence of the fourth protocol, which I'm yes. sure is a film that we've yep. all seen as well, which 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 handles these things as much more effectively, I'd I'd say than than this film, including including its its climax and, and the denouement um, of it. And 
plot-wise, Graham, I mean, you alluded to earlier, it just doesn't hang together, does it? it I mean, it, it's not it's not convincing. I don't think the motivations are convincing, um, uh, 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 as you say, because, you know, the guy's clearly a, 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 a psychopath. And I think you're right. I think your rewrite would have been to say, well, actually, he, he didn't suffer a huge grief. He's just he's just imagine it, imagineered it in order to justify, you know, his 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 murderous tendencies. But also, you know, the whole business of getting that mis- getting that weapon over the into U.S. territory, you know, through the diplomatic pouches, kind of kind of acceptable, but really a massive trope and getting through the border when they know he's who he is. And where he's going. I mean, like, I know that security was fairly lax. They say security was fairly lax pre 9-11, but not to the point where they're just they're just like seem to be completely incompetent. You know, when it comes to, you know, you got, you got George Clooney bragging about the 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 um, yeah, the efficiency of the of, of the missiles in Desert Storm, which is a massive laugh and a huge lie. Um, uh, but then, you know, half an hour later, you've got like, you know, bumbling border guards going, oh, there's a nuclear terrorist here. We know where he is. And really, we know what he looks like. But we've managed to convince ourselves that it's that guy. Um, and it, it, it's it, it's all a bit it's all a bit rubbish, really, isn't it? <laughs> well, it, it does sort of. It, it is a bit because it's made in the mid '90s, and because it has AOL accounts and and using the internet, um, it does have this sort of feeling of like oh, the leading edge technology. So many CRTs in in this uh, in in this film. <laughs> uh, it is. It, it, I mean, it, it is lovely because I, I remember working in an office in the mid '90s, getting my first email address, and I think, you know, this is it's it's all rather lovely and nostalgic, and I think that's that's part of the thing. I don't want that to be like you know real like before times nostalgia. I don't I don't really want that really. Um, but it, it but how it uses technology has has got so far out of date um the yeah it, it it is quite laughable and in fact it dates it so much that it that yeah that makes it and, a bit it, it just sort of sets you on edge a bit really it, it younger people coming into it would probably get lost with that and like, what the hell is is that all about rather than older yeah. films which don't have it but if you look at like mission we talked about mission impossible the first yeah. mission impossible that that uses internet technology yeah. but but uses it in such a way so as that it doesn't necessarily serve the plot to the extent that internet technology does in the, in this movie and the 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 the, the AOL accounts the you know the oh it's all right I email it you know yeah. kind of it's, it's like i mean that was kind of daft even then frankly i don't think there was really any kind of excuse excuse for that it was a completely false dramatic point and not the kind of mistake that that Tom Cruise made in in and Brian De Palma made in 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 um in Mission Impossible in the first Mission Impossible film. And I think that that's where you can look at it and say, well, you you can forgive a movie for being having like using technology yeah. and everyone looking at it and say, well, that's a bit dated. Yeah. But there are ways of yeah, making yeah. it and saying totally. you do realize six months from now this is probably going to be old hat. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, it is so so you, it's possible to have the presence of mind, I think, to be able to to do that. Mm. I'd like to say that you could, you know, again, the trope of, of office, you know, rifling through stuff on an office to get it is, is well worn. Um, and frankly, everybody, you know, it would have been far, far much better, I think, without Schumacher being beaten up and, and then quickly running through the, uh, the, the, the computer. But that line, yeah. that line from Dr. Kelly, that's your plan. Beat him up. That's your plan. That wasn't in the script. That was ad libbed. <laughs> it's a decent line. Sorry, is it? You could say like, if you want a superior version of this, and again, we are a bond podcast, so we've got to bring that in. Look back at Gumbold's office, all the way back in the sixties, and that is how you do one of those scenes. Mm. This is how you do not do one of those scenes. And also, if you've got AOL in there, surely you should also be playing da ding da ding da ding <laughs> as the dialogue kicks in. Yeah, we that yeah that is a that is a good point. It, it does seem oh maybe maybe uh, uh, Viennese broadband. Maybe they have, maybe they did have broadband in Vienna. No, 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 no. Schumacher would have had an ISDN line. Nineteen ninety-seven. That's what right. he would have had. Oh, you're yeah. absolutely right. Um, 
Uh, let's let's let us talk briefly about the action sequences in in, in this film uh, because it is an action movie. Um, I, I think that the the for me there's 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 two signature action sequences in this film. I think that one of them is the recovery of the of of, of the nuclear weapons um, with the helicopters and the you know and all of that stuff and the and and the and the feckless Russians with smoking smoking their fags and trying to trying to shoot them out out of the sky and then the fight with the Russian general. We can talk about the Russian general in this, but also let's just quickly uh, just focus. I, I felt that the car chase in in in, in Vienna was a I don't know I, I don't know. Tell you what, I think about uh, there's a film a film around made around this time called Ronin, which maybe one day will appear in the landfill, which has got a couple of absolutely shit kicking uh, car chases in there. And I guess I was just guilty of a bit of transference there. And I thought this could be better. Mm. No, you, yes. know, you, you know what it struck me as? It struck me as being like the uh, the tank chase in in Goldeneye, but without the tank. <laughs> I do. I did enjoy. Uh, I did enjoy it, um, but it was fairly brief and a little bit unambitious. Um, I assume that they went to Vienna to, to, to shoot this. I don't know. I should have yeah, checked yeah, beforehand, yeah, actually. Yeah. I mean, but it feels it, like it maybe does, they didn't quite get the right permits. Yeah, but it does have a very dark ending to it. A very pleasingly yes. dark ending to it. Which yeah, is, no, that is yeah, good. I yeah. like that bit. Yeah. yeah the cold blooded murder of. Uh, yeah, I thought. Yeah. I, I thought that was that was a, a that was a moment in which I think the audience was genuinely connecting with Devoe as a character, and then he was at his most convincing. Yeah. It, it was, again, I mean, you, you'd be disappointed if there wasn't a car chase in a film like this. But there are so, so many other films. And it's never a good thing when you're watching a film and you have other films that start to come to mind in the key action sequences, Ronin being one of them. You look at, and again, I agree, actually, that I thought the... For me, there are two really, really good sequences in this film. Um, yes, the, the recovery is a really, really good one. Um, it, it's it's played like relatively taut and and is directed really, really well. I'd also like to say the opening sequence of the the missiles being or the the nuclear warheads being stolen is genuinely good. I actually mm. thought I was going to sit down and watch a really good movie <laughs> on the basis of that because it's just done. So well, this um, probably because there's not very much dialogue in it. Um, mm. And so at this point, the scriptwriter hasn't really had a chance to kick in and, and layer in all the various things that have gone wrong with this film. But it, it's a lot, you know, two trains side by side and a heist like that. that it, it's an enjoyable, it's ridiculous, but it's an enjoyably ridiculous way to stage a heist. No more ridiculous than, say, I know, Die Hard with a Vengeance, where, which is, is also a very ridiculous way to stage a heist. But there, there's bits in there that I really, really enjoyed. Um, and it's a shame because you could see that I think had this, that there's, the action doesn't necessarily kind of let up. It does go through very, very quickly. But I think if it decided that's what it wants to be as a film, I think I'd have probably enjoyed it a lot more because you could have just gone fine. I'm just going to sit back and I'm just going to enjoy my popcorn and I'm just going to let it go go at me. But then again, you have dialogue coming in over the top of it and you have every other point trying to be shoehorned into there. It's a shame because again, like those sequences are genuinely enjoyable. They, I, I don't know whether they're enough to rescue it from landfill, but they are certainly good enough that uh, I would watch them again, just as, as kind of vignettes, action vignettes. Yeah, I'd be inclined to agree with that, uh, Graham. Uh, let, let's just—I I think we—we—I we, we, sense we're rapidly coming to the end of our discussions here. Let's just reflect for a brief while on um, uh, Kodorov, the mad Russian general. Um, all, all of the stereotypes, uh, basically based, I think, on a guy called Vladimir Zirinovsky, who I don't think was a general, but he was a sort of like a, a sort of like one of the original sort of like ultra right wing guys grifters to sort of like emerge from the from mm. from from the from the cold war um and 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 a trope that that echoes through through time it's got to be said and 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 hasn't dated really has it no not really i mean uh, i mean they should have got stephen burkoff in but they didn't but uh, <laughs> uh actually 
Actually, no, because because uh, uh, Alexander uh, Baluev, who plays him, is, he, he comes up. He's not given a lot to do, um, but he plays him very well. Um, actually, it turns up in uh, Mimi Leder's next film as well. He plays a, a small role in that, in because uh, uh, that's Deep Impact, which um, pretty much made immediately after this one with with a lot of the of the, of the back team um, used in it. Um, Another film that similarly is very dated um, because of of uh, its use of technology. MSNBC was obviously um, paying uh, uh, DreamWorks quite a lot of money for that one. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, he is he's just a cookie cut, a bad Russian, isn't he? He's even he's even worse than all the bad Russians you've ever seen before. He's, he's a bit Urimovy, isn't he? Though that's that's the problem. Um, and may, mm. maybe he's a bit more sinister than 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 Ur- Urimov, uh, but uh, yeah, uh, yeah, bad Russian. I mean, yeah, he he does the best with with a with without a lot, and and yeah, he he just gets even more bad. I mean, how much money was he being paid for for for, for this this guy? Because he'll just kill anyone, won't he? Yeah, and just randomly hating people, and then telling yeah. people why he hates people. I hate them because they are poor. It's just like, well, no one actually asked you that, but you know, fine. You're a you're a rad, you're a ranty mad Russian general. You know, fair enough. Okay, that's that. I, I can get that. A quick doff of the hat to uh, Dietrich uh, Lohmann, the uh, the cinematographer um, that you mentioned, Gary, and I know Graham, you, uh, you, you you've mentioned that, uh, and was indeed the cinematographer for the following for for Deep Impact as well, and and yet responsible for the film's aesthetic, and I do think that that's where I think the film can trick you into thinking that it's a film of substance because it does, it's, it is not, it's, it's, it's more European, I think in, mm. in, in, in aesthetic than it is in, in, uh, uh in, 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 than Hollywood. And I think that sometimes that, that can trick people into thinking that the film has a somewhat higher brow. Um, but it, it really doesn't. Um, sadly, uh, Lochman uh, passed away uh, uh, not long afterwards. Uh, the, uh, the Deep Impact was dedicated to his memory. He died in, uh, at the age of 54. But uh, So we were robbed of, of what could have actually been some really wonderful Hollywood movies that he might have shot. Because I don't think these movies were unsuccessful. No. He did. And The Peacemaker was not an unsuccessful film. It was a, it was a successful film. It wasn't a massive blockbuster. But it was a block. You know, it was bigger. It was, did enough, I think, to, for, for DreamWorks to be happy. But I think we can understand why this never really got into franchise area, which I suppose might have been something that they were thinking about. And there were clearly better movies around in, in the same genre at the time. Um, and indeed, better movies, you know, from 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 years before. And I think as one sort of like cr- uh, critic sort of described it, it you know, it it. it it didn't know whether or not it was what kind of a movie it was. It wanted to be more of a James Bond film, but it just it didn't have the gadgets. It didn't have the girls. It, it didn't have James Bond. Um, and I think that that's probably a, a, a fair criticism. Um, and I will doff a hat, but we won't dwell on it. Hans Zimmer does the soundtrack for this movie. Um, but again, even that's kind of out of the box. I would say it's closer to Basil Polidori's is the rock in my opinion um, than it is anything that he's done. If you want a, a contemporaneous handsomer soundtrack, then I suggest you seek out the thin red line. His score for that is immaculate. Um, but anyway, uh, I don't believe I have much more to say on this. Now, do you, is there anything more you wish to say uh, on this movie? Uh, bearing in mind, we're up to 58 minutes now. Wow. I'm impressed that we managed to get that far. Um, this film doesn't deserve talking about it for this amount of time, I don't think. So I think we've done okay. it some good service. I feel that we, we've done it more than it ever needed. All, all I would say from this is I can imagine, if I'm being kind to it, I can imagine that if I went to the cinema in 1997 and saw this, I'd have probably come out with a very similar opinion to your wife, um, Terry. I would have just sat there and gone, yeah, quite enjoyed that walked out and forgot about it um watching it for the first time in 2023 uh, no i'm i can't get i can't get on board with it there there were bits that engaged me but i was flicking through my phone by the end which i very very rarely do and you know that's that probably shows you where that film had had gone um it's a shame that there's a good film in there but this isn't it Mm, 
Yeah, I think if you'd never seen a, a, another taut political uh, action drama from the 90, well, anywhere from about 1983 to, to 2005, I think maybe you, you, you'd you get this film and think, wow, that was good. That covered a lot of interesting ground, didn't it? Um, but in the end, it, it's it's like someone someone took the first season of 24 and compressed it down into two hours. It, 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 it it's that disjointed, you know, a series that they that they didn't write the end the the the, the second half of the season for until it got to, got got taken up around the sixth or seventh episode. So it, it it's got that sort of vibe to it, and uh, yeah, Mimi Led does a, a decent job on this. Um, but the script is not good, and I think that is what lets it down. And um, and time lets it down. I think really, I think it it just doesn't it doesn't stand up anymore. Yeah, it's just a bunch of dated centrist twaddle. <laughs> yes, yes, very much that. Frankly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right then. Okay, so let us move away from the dated cent- centrist twaddle uh, and 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 onto onto hopefully. Uh, a, a, a more considered choice um, from Gary. Um, uh, I hereby undertake to pre-vet my next selection, uh, and uh, and uh, will not rely on 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 old memories um, of 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 movies that I have enjoyed in the Ooh. past. Uh, Where's the fun yeah, in that? I mean, maybe that fun? could be my thing. I suppose I could. I guess it could be my thing, yeah. but I don't know. I don't quite sure whether or not the, the internet needed an hour-long podcast on The Peacemaker, and yet now it has one. No so one again, made anyone you know, listen Great power, great responsibility, that kind of thing, you know. No, no, no one's holding a gun to their head. <laughs> they don't have to, if you're have still to with us, it's entirely on you. And they're going to go and watch it now as well. Uh, like, <laughs> that's, what, that's what suckers for punishment they are. Come on. All right, I'd be pleased if anybody is still with us, and then it's like I'm going to watch this film because we're not even saying it's so bad; it's it's good. We're just going, it's not very good. So, <laughs> yeah, no, but don't check it out. I mean, it's on Netflix; you can go and watch it. I mean, if you really must, or you could watch the film that we're going to be doing next. Mm. So, Gary, perhaps you would be kind enough to enlighten uh, uh, us and the audience because uh, we do not know. We, we know. do not know. We do not know what is next for the action movie land film. Well. Okay, so I'm going to set this with a bit of context in that my last pick was Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which I I think I justifiably came in for criticism that it wasn't action enough, Um, even that, you know, and and I will hold my hands up. I think that that's potentially fair. It's still a very enjoyable film. It's an interesting point in the action, uh, in in the history of action cinema as we cross into Marvel. However, I feel I need to redeem myself with my next choice. So... I'm going back into the late 80s, so that there's a tick. Um, I feel this is a film which I, I've done a little bit of reading, and actually I, I like the film or have very, very fond memories of the film. Um, it appears that, that not all of the internet agrees with me, so maybe that's a good or bad thing. But I also feel that it, it needs, you know, again, I need to go big or go home. So I've gone for a big action star, uh, I've gone for a slightly pointless uh, subject cameo. I've gone for a base source of novel as well, which uh, brings it all together. I've gone for uh, The Running Man with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, I approve. That's a popular choice. Yes. Yes. Ter- Terry's face. We don't record these podcasts, but if you could, uh. Terry's face. Would have just been perfectly gifable, memeable at that point. I, I uh, think, I and think, I feel yeah. that this redeems me from my last bit because already, I, already. yeah, <laughs> every box for the action movie landfill, and it's got a Mick Fleetwood cameo in it. It does, so it does indeed, and it's got an absolute shit-kicking Harold Faltermeyer soundtrack too. It's, I think we're going to enjoy this, aren't it's we? It's really good. It's a, it's a, it's a wonderful film, uh, and a film I revisit regularly. And we'll be happy to do that again. Graham, your thoughts on 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 Running Man? Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to it already. Uh, yes, yeah, no, yes, yes, yes. Let's do it. Does this mean we also have to watch the remake as well? There was a remake. Wasn't there a remake? There no, a... They, have, they haven't remade it, have they? Not yet. No. I'm thinking. I'm thinking of something else. No. 
Uh, you might be thinking a total recall. Nah, I think they remade that. that was it. No, I'm really looking yeah. forward to it. Yes, I, yes. Uh, it's uh, well. well what, what can you say? I mean, I'll be back only in the reruns. It's uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, we, we've not, I figured that we've not done. We've not really touched on Arnie on this, yeah. which we we should do. And you know, let's not go for the ones that are, are really big and popular. Let's go. Let's go for one where, yeah, I've, I've seen a lot of people don't seem necessarily to have, have liked this. It didn't got a great critical reception when it came out. Um, so, you know, and but I I've watched it a fair few times. Um, and also, I kind of felt after sitting through the Peacemaker, I wanted to watch something which at least I knew I was going to have a level of enjoyment. Yeah, you, you just wanted to see Army yeah. in, in yellow spandex, didn't you? And it's 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 messages you know clearly on the nose as well. Uh, and it's a left wing film, so that's that's good. We like uh, it's a, it's a, that all it all works. So it's based upon uh, the book uh, the novel of the same name by Richard Bachman, who is of course Stephen King. So, uh, and I've read that book myself as well. Mm. I was got quite into the Running Man when that film came out. Uh, so I am very much looking forward to that. So thank you very much indeed for picking that, Gary. Consider yourself redeemed. Redeemed. I have to wait a little bit longer before I <laughs> can mm. redeem myself. But, wow. uh, but we shall see. Um, before that, of course, we will be uh, going back to the Odd Job Pod. Uh, I believe it's Spectre is the next one. And uh, we've got Spectre to do uh, uh, while we're, we're, we're doing our, our thorough review of all the James Bond films. And that we're coming up in the new year, later in the new year. We're recording this just before Christmas. I won't wish you a happy Christmas because it'll have been and gone by the time you hear this. But nevertheless, there we are. So thank you. So I think we'll end it there. And, and, and uh, thank you very much indeed uh, for uh, uh, taking us through this journey of discovery. And we hope, if nothing else, we've dissuaded you from watching The the Pissmaker again. The Peacemaker. The Pissmaker. That's staying in. The The Pissmaker again. The Pissmaker. The Bags of Pissmaker again. Can Um, you imagine a lower low was put on the top of that? (laughs) After the Pissmakers. After the Pissmakers. The the Pissmokers. The Pissmakers. The nuclear weapons, they are in the Madonna with the big boobies. <laughs> we put the diplomatic bag, yeah? So with that, we are going to toss the uh, Peacemaker back into the landfill. And maybe we'll just like put our foot down a little bit to see if we can make certain that it goes nice and deep and not to return again. And so until the next podcast from the Odd Job Pod crew, from myself, Terry DeFallon, and from Gary Andrews and from Graham Sibley, it's goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.